Morning, everybody. How are we doing? Good to hear. Good to hear. We've been doing a series in the last little while on, on the DNA of Catalyst. What is it that makes up Catalyst? What's, what's our DNA? What is it that, we're, that we want to multiply as a body? And last week, Nathan spoke on making evident our restoration through God's power and, and he really knocked it out of the park. It was a phenomenal message and I really would encourage you, if you didn't hear it, to, uh, to go and listen to that. The podcast on the, on the website it was, a, was a fantastic message and really significant and timely. This week is a bit of a no-brainer. It's almost self-explanatory. This week we're looking at experiencing God's relevance in everything we do. Experiencing God's relevance in everything we do. Now, the reason it's a bit of a no-brainer is because if you think about it, you've got an all-powerful creator, a God of the universe, who provides a way for us to experience Him, experience the life that He created. It kind of makes sense that if someone would create something with purpose you follow the purpose for which they created it. So the idea of experiencing God's relevance in everything we do kind of makes sense because he created the world and we're living in it. So why wouldn't we do what he says? This is reinforced in Scripture time and time again. It says in 1 Corinthians, let all that you do, all that you do, be done in love. Makes sense. 1 Thessalonians says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Colossians says, whatever you do, in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Philippians says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Jesus even talks parables on this stuff. He says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. We have so much in Scripture that talks about the all of what God's calling us to. In fact, it can be summed up in one thing. When Jesus was asked by a lawyer what the greatest commandment is, he pretty much says this one thing. Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? Which is the great commandment in the law? And he, being Jesus, said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul And with all your mind, this is the great and first commandment. So, let's not segment our lives and have God stuff and non-God stuff. Have parts that we think are, are for God and parts that we think for ourselves. It's pretty clear. Experience God's relevance in everything we do. That's it. I was going to say, sorry, Jim, that isn't actually the end. I know, uh, I know you're keen for a short punchy message but there's actually a little bit more to it because I am passionately committed to this I deeply desire that my life is not fragmented that there's not parts that are God's and parts that are mine I completely agree and committed to this great commandment and every single one of these passages that's that talk about the all of what it means to be a Jesus follower there's a bible verse which I love 
Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. But I also find this very verse very annoying because it's almost always used out of context. You see, if we look at this verse on its own, it makes us look like superheroes. It makes us look like we're invincible and if I want to fly, I can fly because Christ is going to allow me to fly. I've tried, it doesn't work. You've got to get in a plane to do that. I can't do it on my own. Because this verse is taken completely out of context. And if we look at this just as a blissful tiptoeing through the fields of daisies, we miss what Paul's actually saying here. Because he's actually, he's actually got so much more to offer us in this space than, than the fantasy that we all know is not as easy as it makes out to be. Because the battle is raging and we're in the middle of it. Paul says this. He's talking in context of the Philippian church who'd wanted to support him in his ministry financially with supplies, that they actually had a heart's desire to, to support him in his ministry. And he says, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So this strength and these all things are relating to the adversity of life. They're not relating to the invincibility of what we can do. They're actually relating to to the highs and lows of life. I can do the highs and lows of life through Christ who strengthens me. There is a battle that's going on. Romans 12 2 says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, because then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The last part we can agree on. There's no issue with that. He created the world. Of course, his plan's perfect. It was his design. But we recognize that there's a battle going on. There's a battle going on. The patterns of this world versus the will and purpose of God. And this battle is a battle for our worship. It's a battle for our worship. What is worth more in our lives? What is worth more than Jesus? We have a battle of worth, of worship. It's a battle that we wrestle with food, with money, with relationships, with possessions. It's a battle where we have to wrestle with what is worth more in our lives. Galatians 5 verse 16 to 17 says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. We have two sides, the desires of the spirit and the desires of the flesh. We can see this design, but there's a battle going on that we're in the midst of in this space. Verse 25 goes on to say, if we live by the spirit, let us also keep in step with the spirit. We have this amazing picture and opportunity to walk, to live life, to see every aspect of life through the lens of the creator God. And yet there's a battle raging. 
Now, I want you to tell me, where does this come from? Nike. What, what do Nike make? They're famous for shoes, yeah, predominantly. But they, they do all sorts of apparel. What about this one? Think different. Come on, there's a few fans in the room. I know that. They make me sick. Apple. <laughs> I do like Apple products, but I'm not a fan. Think different. Because you're worth it. Come on, I had to, I had to research this one. I had to, I had to research this one because I know nothing about it. Yeah, yeah. The brand? Not Maybelline. L'Oreal. Well done. Well done. I'm impressed that we don't know these. Oh, that one. Open happiness. Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola. Open happiness. I'm loving it. Maccas. What was that? KFC. I could have put that up there. Finger licking good. <laughs> just look at these. You might think I need some shoes. But I think by buying shoes, you can just do it. Absolutely. I'm really sorry. You're going to be disappointed. Because you can't just do it when you buy Nikes. Buying a Mac is going to make you think different because they're going to conform you to their way. But that's another issue. Uh, we won't go there. But you, all of a sudden, you're not going to revolutionize the way you think because you buy an Apple. L'Oreal doesn't make you worth it. And a fizzy drink, like we're talking about, a fizzy drink is opening happiness. Really? And a burger and chips means life is worth loving. This is the battle we're up against. This is just five brands. And the reason these guys do this is because it works. They know there is a battle going on. They might not understand the spiritual dynamic, but they know that there's a battle going on for the desires of the flesh versus God's plan. And we can, we can look and say it's a no-brainer that God's plan's fantastic, but these guys know the battle and they're tapping into the battle and trying to get a slice of the pie, try and get a bit of money through the ideas of the fact that we are hungry for something, but not always the right thing. Now... Does anyone here go to Cairo? Cairo Christian School. Here we go. I'm going to give you a test right now. Only those that go to Cairo, nobody else, because there's some theologians in the room that probably know the answer. But those that go to Cairo, do you know what Cairo means? Well done. Doesn't mean, doesn't mean that people pay attention. I was, uh, I was worried that everyone goes, I have no idea. I don't, you know, not too excited about this topic, school. But um, absolutely, Cairo means to rejoice. And I want to suggest an alternative motto in this space. Rejoice always. Now, this is something that I'm particularly excited about. There's two passages where where Paul says this. Rejoice always. Now, this, I reckon, is a slogan that, that God might use. One of many. It's not the only slogan. But I want to use as an example to unpack this battle and the fact that the battle's actually already won. The battle's actually already won. Jesus has won this battle. we just got to claim it. Because rejoice always sounds like an impossibility. Sounds like an absolute impossibility. How can you rejoice always? How is it possible? The issue is, for me, when I, when I had, I think it was revelation, I, I really believe that God spoke to me a number of years ago on this, and I'm using this as an example. This isn't 
everything about the gospel, everything about God's truth. But it's just one example for us to tap into to sort of reference where this is coming from. This idea of rejoicing always comes back to the word rejoice. And the word rejoice has joy in it. Another word that has the word joy in it is enjoy. So I've got two words, enjoy and rejoice. Both we join them. Fantastic. They're very different words though. Enjoy is about finding enjoyment in something. Something, the, what do they call it? I wrote it down because I knew I was going to remember. The prefix, the first part of the word. We've got N and re. N is like enter, entertain, entrap, entice. There's something that you get out of it, that you enter into, that you cause for enjoyment. On the other hand, rejoice is about like return, rebound, restore, reflect. It's actually to respond to, to shift, to repeat something. They both use the word joy, but the source of the joy is very different. And this, for me, is a fantastic illustration of the way God has provided us victory over the world. Because on one side, we can look at a circumstance and we either enter into the joy of the circumstance or we enter into the frustration of the circumstance or we enter into whatever it is the circumstance is. On the other side, we actually don't enter into the circumstance's joy. We reflect a joy that's deeper back into the circumstance. I'm going to give you an example. And this is a live example that was on Monday night for me. As you probably know, because I use it as illustration material all the time, I coach Daniel's under-16s basketball side. And in our basketball team, there's a diverse range of skills. Guys that are super pumped and, and they're, they're quite skillful, they're really competitive, they get in there, give it a crack, and they're quite good teammates too. The other end of the spectrum, we've got some kids that don't have a lot of experience and they, they, they don't always listen and their skills to work as a team don't really work so well either. So you've got this group of kids that I've been working with now for, what would be, 16, 18 weeks of the season. And I've got to say, at points on Monday night, I wanted to punch someone. It's all right, it was internal. I put on a good show. It isn't all right, <laughs> just, just to be clear. But internally, I was really frustrated. We had one guy that was literally passing the ball to the opposition, like directly. I have the ball, I look around, and I pass to you on the opposition. I'm like, come on. And the last three or four weeks, we've been improving as a team, but we've still been losing by three or four points. We'd be, might have even have a 10-point lead, and then we'd lose the lead by stupid mistakes. Someone else in the team... Would, um, would dribble down the court. And they're actually a really good ball handler. They can shoot quite well, but they just don't like the opposition. So as soon as they get opposition against them, they stop. They dribble down the court. Someone comes up to them, they stop. They're like, keep going. You're not at the ring yet. Come on. And then the opposition gets a sniff and goes, well, we'll put two or three on him. And so all of a sudden, as soon as they stop, the ball gets handed over and they get a goal. And internally, I'm going, these guys know what they're meant to be doing. I've taught them, I've trained them, we train every week. This is really frustrating. 
I don't want to be here. I am not enjoying this. On Wednesday night, we had our team photo. Oh, by the way, I left the stadium a bit frustrated and positive, rah-rah, go team, good work. You tried hard. But internally, I'm like, Wednesday night, we had our team photo. We rock up um, at uh, where we meant to be at the time we meant to be. And afterwards, I'm talking to one of the committee members of the club. And they say, I really love the way you get around these guys and you give them a go, no matter what their skill level is. I'm like, sounds good, but internally, something's not right there, quite there, (laughs) because I'm not loving doing this. And I was convicted, because I've shared before my motive to be a coach. There's some enjoyment in playing basketball. I don't get much pleasure out of coaching basketball, but the reason I stepped into that role was to disciple young guys. That was my motive. On Monday night, was that the fruit of what I did? What do you reckon? Was it the fruit of what I did? No, it wasn't. Did the circumstance of Monday night mean that I couldn't do that mission any longer? No. The circumstance of Monday night didn't change the mission to which I was called with, but I responded to the circumstances differently. And this is the secret, is the trick, is the, is the key to understanding what it means to be a Jesus follower, what it means to be experience God's goodness in all of life. Because on Monday night, what I stuffed up was I didn't rejoice. I could have. The circumstance didn't decide whether I was going to rejoice or not. It decided whether I could enjoy it or not. I could have not enjoyed it and still rejoiced. Does that make sense? Because the circumstance was frustrating. That didn't change. But the opportunity for me to see it through the lens of what God was doing, what God's agenda was, what God's plan was, was still there. And for me, this is a beautiful, beautiful picture for us of stepping into the plans and purposes of God in all circumstances. Because they're always there. I just want to read to you, so a couple of weeks ago, for people that don't know, we got the body to write down an answer to three questions. And uh, this was the response from one of the people. We need to choose freedom over fear. Are we living in the freedom that Christ our Saviour died to give us? Or are we being governed by fear? God has said, fear not, for I am with you. But are we claiming these words over ourselves slash catalyst? We need to take captive the fear that so easily dwells in our hearts and choose freedom. Freedom is the courage to step into conversations, situations that God has equipped us for and provides opportunity to speak into. It is in His strength that all things are possible. He does the fighting. He is mighty to save. Choose freedom, not fear. Enjoying versus rejoicing. We don't necessarily enjoy everything. We can rejoice in all circumstances. This is another picture of fear versus freedom. The same idea. The fear is about the circumstance. The freedom is about the author and perfecter of our faith. The fear is about what's in front of us. Looking at it and letting it decide how we respond. The freedom is in knowing that we have a faithful God who is with us and equips us to do everything he calls us to. 
Experiencing God's relevance in everything we do is a nice idea. But when we bring it down into our lives, we've got to first recognize that it's a battle. We've got to first identify that this is not just blissful ideas and easy to work out. There is a wrestle going on. But in that wrestle, there is already victory in Jesus. There is already victory because he's poured out his spirit on his people. There is actually victory in every circumstance of our lives. The circumstances may or may not change, but the way we look at them does. I'm convinced that as a body, God wants to call us to this practically. Not just conceptually, but call us to this statement practically. Experiencing God's relevance, that God is relevant and that we experience it, not just think it, in everything that we do. Every aspect of our life experiences God's relevance. But we can't do this without maturity. We can't achieve this without desiring to grow and to learn. What I want to do right now is for us to just stop and pause. I don't want us to intellectualize this because it's really easy to do and it's really easy. I can't convince you that this is a good idea or beyond that this is a good idea. It's actually something that you need to exercise and experience to know it's a good idea. And I can tell you examples on both sides of the picture. I can tell you times where I've stuffed it up, and I can tell you times where I stepped in and and saw things the way God saw them. And both point to this being actually something God's calling us to. He's asking of us genuinely, not just as a nice idea, but real. So what, what I'd like to do is for us to pause and actually take stock. I love this morning in prayer, um, and I'm not going to name names, but this morning in prayer, someone asked someone else, how are you doing this morning? And they went, I'm all right. They went, all right, it's not good. And they said, let me explain. And these are my words, not theirs, but hopefully you get the gist. I actually feel like crying, but I am here because I think God's worth worshipping. I'm making a choice this morning to be in this place Because I know my circumstances and my week has been challenging, but I also know that God is faithful. I know there's some parts of life, and and I'm, I'm stretching this out a little bit, but I know there's parts of life that can be discouraging, that can be challenging, but I also know that perspective of life is to see through the lens of what God's doing. And I'm here making a choice today, a practical step into the fact that I'm going to rejoice in all circumstances. Not because of my circumstances, but because I know the God who created me, who designed this world, who holds the power of life and death in his hands. And I'm going to see my day, my situation, my journey through his eyes and through his lens. Now, they said it a lot more succinct than that. And I went, you've just said my message in five seconds. Because the reality is, as much as these ideas are nice, it's when you walk them out that you find the rejoicing, the freedom, the peace, the fullness of life. We can't sit in the room talking about this and experience it. You've got to step into it. And this, this sentence is not a Sunday morning sentence. Everything that we do is way bigger than a Sunday morning. And so, I know I said this, this is the third time I'll say it, we actually do it now. What I'd love us to do is just to pause and take stock of what is going on in our lives. And I want you just in this circumstance to measure it up against rejoicing. Look at it through rejoicing. What does 
my, my circumstances, the hardest things, the most challenging things, the amazing things. Because you know what? Sometimes the amazing thing can actually be as much a distraction as the hard things. When things go well, the Israelites had this problem. <laughs> Everything went well for them and they forgot about God. Like, sometimes the good's not always good. But look through your circumstances through the lens of rejoicing and saying, can I rejoice in these circumstances? But to take this out of an intellectual exercise, you need to make a decision about this week coming because you need to exercise what it is you sense God's saying in terms of rejoicing in that circumstance. Does that make sense? Have I, yeah, not confusing? Cool. So let's just pause, we'll just, we'll just have some silence um, and I'd love you just to take stock, just go, God, let me just look at the things that, the highs and the lows and where is my rejoicing in those spaces? Lord, I just pray right now as we do this that your spirit would move in this place. Lord, we want to hear your voice, we want to understand your perspective, we want to claim your truth. So spirit, just move as people reflect. Speak to us, Lord. Okay, a couple of questions for you. Who is excited about the idea of rejoicing in all circumstances this week? Okay, you can be the same person. This, does, this question doesn't, isn't excluded by you. Who is nervous or concerned or worried about the idea of being excited and also they have circumstances that they reckon this is going to be maybe too hard? A few people? Yep, yep. Because I reckon that's really cool because I, I don't want this... As I said before, I don't want this to be just a nice intellectual exercise. This is not easy. This is not easy stuff. So for those who put their hand up to say they're a little bit nervous, a little bit anxious, a little bit concerned that they're going to struggle with um, exercising this in all circumstances this week, I really want to pray for you now, yeah? Because I believe God wants to bring breakthrough in your circumstances. But I also want you, if you put your hand up, to tell someone about it. Someone that you trust, but someone that's going to champion you into that circumstance. Does that make sense? Like the more we hold this, this in our own little space, the more it becomes a, a case of success or failure. This has nothing to do with success or fi- failure. This has nothing to do with success or failure. This has, this has everything to, to do with pursuing God day by day. Yeah? And so if you're going to pursue God day by day, he calls us to do that in community. So if you put your hand up to say, I'm going to, I'm going to find it hard this week, I really, really, really want you, I implore you to tell someone about it, that you trust that's going to champion you this week and journey with you and encourage you, yeah? Because I don't want you to get in your head that you stuffed it up. It's not about stuffing it up. I want someone to be able to journey with you and say, keep going, yeah? Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you so much for, for your goodness and your faithfulness. And Lord, those things do not change. We can trust that in all times. And yet, God, our circumstances aren't always easy. The the, the people and the situations we find ourselves in, Lord, feel overwhelming. And Lord, that's very real. And for those who are walking into a week, Lord God, who have challenging circumstances, Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit would come upon them now in, in amazing ways, Lord God. Speak to them, Lord, where they need to hear your voice. Lord, give them a freedom. Release them, Lord God, from any lies that they may be carrying. But also, Lord, replace that with your hope and your joy, Lord God, supernaturally. Lord, I pray that you would give them a peace that goes beyond understanding, that they may know and walk into this week, Lord God, maybe with anxiety, Lord God, maybe with anxiousness, but Lord, that they will walk into it 
with a victorious mindset, Lord God, on you. Lord, I pray that you would be their rock, that you would be their portion, and that this coming Sunday, there would be testimonies in this place of your goodness and your faithfulness at work this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.